Hello, everyone. In this podcast, we will be discussing sensitive topics such as sexual assault. It's important to take care of yourself while listening. Some suggestions are listening while you're in a healthy headspace or knowing who you can reach out to if you become upset. Our 24-7 helpline for crisis calls based out of Central Florida is 407-500-HEAL. By contacting the national hotline at 1-800-656-4673, you can get support and learn about your local resources. There's always someone ready to help. the Victim Service Center podcast. Here we sit down with professionals that serve survivors and victims of trauma or those who've experienced violence and have conversations about social issues. This week, we are talking about social media, a tool for prevention education. My name is Emily Mitchell. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm the education coordinator at the Victim Service Center of Central Florida. I'm very excited because with me today, I have Shannon Webster. So Shannon Webster uses she, her pronouns and is the former volunteer and outreach coordinator with VSC. We worked very closely together, so it's very exciting to have her on, where she managed our social media and community engagement for three years. She recently moved to Colorado and currently works at the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless as their digital communications manager. So Shannon is passionate about advancing social justice and utilizing technology to educate and raise awareness. Shannon is a proud dog mom and enjoys trivia game shows and vegan cooking in her free time. So Shannon, super excited to have you today. Thank you. And I also have Kyle Frey. So Kyle uses he, him pronouns and is the marketing and outreach specialist at the VSC. So Kyle received his Bachelor of Science from the University of Florida in Public Relations, advocacy and having an ability to make an impact in the community he grew up in is something he holds close to him. He has experience working public relations, both agency side and in-house. In his free time, he enjoys listening to music, playing video games, and traveling around the country to play with his club Frisbee team. So Kyle, thanks for coming back onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. And as a brief introduction, I'm really excited to have this conversation with both of you. So previously on this podcast, we have talked a lot about prevention education, involving teaching on consent, normalizing conversations, advocating being an active bystander, sharing resources for survivors, and much more. And in this modern world and and with movements like Me Too, we are starting to see social media as a tool or a space for these types of initiatives and conversations, just as we try to achieve this on this podcast. So today we are going to chat about the power of social media as a tool for prevention. We will be addressing some stigma surrounding these platforms and ways we can use these social platforms as larger organizations and as individuals to help end violence. So with that, I think that this might sound like a little silly of a question, but how would you actually define social media? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Emily, for having us both. I'm super happy to be back and doing stuff with VSC. Um, so for me, social media, I think, is any kind of, you know, digital platform that we use to connect with each other. Um, so there definitely has to be some sort of interaction um, between people on the platform and an ability to reach people. If you're, you know, just kind of putting things out into the void, it's not really communicating with each other. So like a blog isn't necessarily social media, but something like Twitter where I can engage uh, with my audience, I think would be considered social media. Yeah. And I think with that, just being able to like share content, whatever content is, whether it's just a few words like a tweet or like photos or music or anything that you can just have ability to share whatever you label as contact. And just sort of like what you're saying with that engagement, just like the idea of like social networking as a whole, I think it's something that really stands out to me, like what social media is about having, being able to have a conversation at the end of the day. 
So I appreciate that you also brought in some examples too, kind of like of Twitter. What are some other like platforms that you can think of? I mean, there's the obvious like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, to me, Spotify even itself is kind of like a social media, just like with the way it shows like recent activity and feeds and even with how much of a movement, even like something like Spotify wrapped is and how everyone just posts and goes and posts about that. Good point. Yeah. I think that um, I forget that while you were all talking, I forget that things like LinkedIn is technically social media. So there's a lot of different types of it. Um, So I wanted to ask first and foremost, if you can share both a little bit about your roles and how you both kind of use social media as a tool for prevention education or spreading awareness. Sure. Uh, So my current role at the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless as the digital communications manager, um, I manage all of our external facing platforms. So we currently have Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, We're also active on YouTube. And then we're going to launch our Instagram and TikTok actually um, sometime in February, hopefully. So it's kind of mirroring what I did at VSC as well, because at VSC in my role, I also managed the social media platforms and they were pretty similar. Um, but obviously the things that we're talking about are a little bit different. Um, but we also do a lot of education. We do an education series. And so we're planning out presentations to try to bring people in. And with COVID, we obviously did that digitally. So it kind of morphed from an in-person facing education awareness to a digital communication and awareness on our social media platform. So that's something else I've been working on. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know that uh, you did all of basically our social media BSC. So, um, so you have a lot of experience with this and Kyle, can you tell me a little bit about your role and how you use social media? Definitely on a very similar note, I kind of manage the brand image almost, and then just sort of man just, or the, and the first point of contact when it comes to our social medias, uh, we have a lot of different social media accounts, your typical ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, um, and you can find our podcast like you're listening to in so many locations. Awesome. And while you were talking to, I, I realized like, you know, so not only are we kind of using social media as a way to spread that brand awareness and also advertise things like if we're doing, for example, a panel for human trafficking awareness month or something, we can at least use social media as a communication tool. But I know that we also kind of use it as education as well, like breaking down myths or spreading awareness on on this particular issue, um, things like that. So we use it for a lot of different things, I realize. And then kind of just going off of that, I think that there's this myth that social media can't be used as an awareness tool to enact social change and promote education. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um people I think give social media bad rap or the internet itself, I think definitely had that impression. I know I grew up in like late nineties, early two thousands. And I was always taught like stranger danger, like be careful what you post, don't share anything about yourself. And now we've just like done a complete 180 where like everyone's just sharing everything about themselves, checking in everywhere. And so I think that has scared people a little bit and just how quickly things have changed. Um, And then obviously like misinformation has been, you know, the big thing going on the last couple of years. And that definitely has a space in social media. Um, But I think it's kind of similar to a lot of things. Like it's not bad unless you're using it for bad things. Like inherently social media isn't bad. It's not trying to corrupt my mind necessarily. It's just a platform and then people make it into what it is. So if, you know, you decide to spend eight hours of your day on social media, that's probably a bad thing. Um, But that doesn't mean that the social media itself is bad. Um, I think that more could be done to help protect people, especially young people who might become addicted to the social platforms. Um, But I don't believe that it is inherently bad. I think that if people do believe that they should try to take a look at it, I think a lot of people are apprehensive to even create an account if they're freaked out about it or they find it overwhelming. But I think especially if you have children or people that you're concerned about on social media, you should definitely create an account for yourself and kind of see what it is and don't just rely on other people and what they're telling you to make your judgments. Yeah, um, especially that last point you were making where you were talking about how 
it is what you make it at the end of the day or what you surround yourself with. I think that's like the main point is if you're surrounding yourself with like bad information or following just bad, like unqualified or even misinformed people who are just keeping you in this bubble, um, that's what you're digesting. And that's 100% what I agree with is just that if you make it something bad, it can definitely misguide you in what you think and believe and how you interact on your day to day. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you're on Twitter and you're following everyone that you normally would not get along with, I think you're going to find yourself really frustrated. Um, but you can also find really amazing educators. And um, I think about movements like Black Lives Matter that really took off on social media to help promote change and make a difference. And it did have an impact and people were talking about it and people that might not have talked about it did. Um, I think also a lot about like generational differences. So there's a lot of like, People nowadays where the younger person might be more progressive and they find that some people in their family are lacking some of the same values. And so they want to try to educate them or help them understand their viewpoint a little bit better or help them decide to get vaccinated, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, and they'll use social media as a way to like talk to the other person or see their views. And so I think that, you know, you can have a space for safe discord. But you can also share something about yourself. Like I just had a baby. That's so exciting. But you can also share education around, Hey, this local university is putting on an art show. Do you want to go and like support your local art community? So there's so many different ways that you can use it for good. I also like touching on something else is like you, I definitely think there you can be like too young for social media too, at the end of the day, I know, and I may not be hundred percent correct, but one of the big players in social media, I want to say it was either Instagram or Facebook was actually like trying to implement like how YouTube has like YouTube kids. They were trying to en enable like an Instagram kids, which I think is actually like very smart. And I know tangently, I know people who made Twitters when they weren't of age, which I believe is 13, that their Twitters years later ended up getting banned for that reason. And I know that's a little late, but like they are still trying to keep that enforcement however long it took for that. Yeah, I think that um, just like with anything, there can be. You're. There's just a lot, I feel like, with social media now, there's just a lot of everything. Um, and so you can find those little pockets of safe spaces that Shannon was mentioning. And then also keeping in mind to um, age as well, like you were mentioning, Kyle. Um, and I think a good way to do that is if you find, you know, for example, an Instagram that is talking about certain prevention education that you're really interested in, maybe go see who they're following and then just kind of piggyback off of that to kind of find that space that you're looking for and know that there's different ways to use social media. Just like Shannon was saying, you can post about your, you know, life, or you can actually find, you know, podcasts about maybe you're really into learning about animals. And so you can, you know, lots of different stuff. And I think that um, it would be um, a really big miss for organizations that are looking to enact change that are also looking to help prevent violence to not use this tool, because there's definitely that space and there are spaces there. Um, and it's, it's, we'll talk a little bit more about the impact that it can make, but um, kind of talking specifically about what's happening now though how do you think covid has actually impacted social media uh it's definitely changed it kind of a lot when you reflect on it um everyone being stuck at home i think about all the trends that came out of it like tiger king i feel like would not have blown up unless people started toasting about it on social media like everyone's had nowhere else to go except the online space to connect with people because at the end of the day i think people are just searching for that connection, however they can get it. Um, and so for people, I think everyone's use went up a little bit, but it was also at such a tense time that I think it really did not help the divide that's been happening. Um, so it's kind of been seen in a negative light, I wanna say by some people, but again, it's whatever you make it, right? So if you do follow a lot of different 
people on whatever spectrum of ideology they're on, it's going to look like a lot of discourse on your feed. But if you do put yourself in a little bit of a bubble, um, it's not going to look like that. Um, not to say that you should. I think a lot of times you should be knowing what's going on all over the place just so that you yourself feel informed, but understanding the sources. I think people were scared. And so they used it a lot for like, I'm Cloroxing my groceries, you know, or whatever's going on. Right. And so it could be used for like panic, but it was also used for good. Like, Hey, here's how long you should be washing your hands. Here's different songs you can sing. Here's uh, all the different ways that you can keep your child entertained when they're five years old and just had a ton of sugar and need to get the energy out in a safe way. So I see that side of things in terms of like the business side, people then had to kind of step it up to be able to connect with everyone like let's say your local business shut down, they can't come to your space anymore. And if that's how you usually were communicating with people, you then had to kind of pivot and change. And so it brought a lot of new people into the space that weren't there previously. I definitely agree. And I don't know if it's just like even like sort of more just a COVID thing, but I feel like you just really have to be on social media. Like that's how people are talking. That's how people are talking about greater topics at the end of the day. Like we discussed like movements and stuff like that. I just feel like that is something that is going to continue to grow as long as like technology is beginning to grow. And I think it actually is being used a lot to sort of inform in a way of just what is happening even on a global scale, maybe not necessarily just strictly to COVID, but what is happening around the world just in general and sort of like opening people's eyes to like reality to an extent. Yeah, I think reach is a very big piece to this. Um, I I'm kind of curious because you brought up too, Shannon, um, how organizations kind of had to pivot quickly. So I wanted to hear from your perspective on how this really impacted the nonprofit world specifically, because I think that maybe a lot of these organizations didn't even really have social media platforms that they were using before this. Yeah. Uh, so at the time I was working at BSC um, and it was, I feel like it was almost like a Friday. It was like, Hey, you know, just take your stuff home just in case, like we don't know. And then the next week it was like, all right, everything's locked down. You're going to be staying at home. You know, we're going to give you some time to adjust and space and we're going to kind of get through this together. And at the time, you know, a lot of large part of my job was going out into community and educating and speaking to people on the ground. And that's how we really connected people to our resources by word of mouth. A lot of time we did utilize social media, but it just, wasn't such a key part of the puzzle. Um, so then once COVID hit, it was like, okay, therapy's going online, like everything's going online, our website is more important than ever. And so we really had to just kind of lean in and jump in. And it also coincided with Sexual Assault Awareness Month, which is in April. So we were like, how do we get people engaged during our most important time of the year without being able to have them gather at our gala or gather for denim day or any of the other awareness events that we have going on that month. And so we had to really kind of like, just be like, I hope people come to our zoom and start advertising it. And I know Emily, you were really new into your role at the time as well. And so you were like, how do I educate people when I can't go in front of them? And we had never done any kind of virtual training before. And so they kind of blended together. It was like, well, what if we do a Facebook live to engage people? What if we use it that way? Um, you know, and then publish it afterwards. Like obviously at 1 PM, not everyone can tune into a Facebook live in the professional world. Um, and so I think being able for us to put the content out there and have it be available, I think helped people feel less alone if they were seeking our services out. Um, because I think people were used to getting therapy or caregiving and counseling in person. You have that personal touch. And so losing that, I think was like really hard at the time. Um, but by making it more regular and normalized and showing that like, we're still here, we're still having content it helped people kind of have a sense of normalcy about our services. Um, for other nonprofits, I think if they weren't in the space, it really gave them a good time to just try it out. Right. So if you didn't have the staffing before you're like, okay, well, this person's job was to go out and be in person all the time, hundred percent. Well, now they can't do that. So maybe there's a way for them to do something online and you can put it in a Instagram post, or you can do a live, or you can go on Reddit and do an AMA about your organization, you know, whatever it might be. So I think um, in the nonprofit space, it should be kind of like a grassroots level 
Um, you should be talking to people from the very bottom to the tippy top. Um, and so especially for just like your average person that's walking around, I know VSC, I would always be like, have you ever heard of us before? And most of the time it'd be no. And so that was definitely like always what I was trying to change. And I think social media was a big part of that because if something goes viral, you never know um, where people are going to see you or how they're going to find your content or if people share it. Like you might not know anyone in your life that has been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed, but if you share a post, the odds of someone that you know needing that information is really high. And I can think about that for many issues, right? So if you're dealing with domestic violence or poverty, low-income people, um, food insecurity, you know, so many different things where if you can just get people to get that word out, it can actually go a lot further online than it could ever in person. So that was a really good opportunity for people to jump into that space. I love that. I think that also I was getting a lot of like nostalgic feelings while you were mentioning all that because I did forget about this kind of feeling of anxiety that everyone kind of had in this moment of like, what's going to happen? Kind of like the calm before the storm. And then, um, yeah, social media was really impacted and how we kind of interacted with it. Um, while you were talking to, I realized that a lot of times when I do my education and stuff like that, I think people don't realize, um, how common these issues are. And then they don't realize like, wow, I'm actually really passionate about being kind of an ambassador in this. And so I think that social media can also kind of be a digestible way to approach these really heavy topics as like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, eight out of 10 times it's someone that they know. And then they just kind of like start diving more into the the topic itself. I, I personally wasn't even employed when the uh, pandemic had happened. I was, I had just finished a contract and relocated back to Orlando. And I think just the biggest thing is like companies beyond just nonprofits, but especially nonprofits that weren't on social media, it was definitely a good starting point or entering point when the pandemic happened because like you were saying calm before the storm i don't think anyone really understood where it was headed or how long it was going to be i mean there are talks that this is going to be endemic to an extent which is also like interesting so no i appreciate that i'm glad that we get that perspective too as far as um other types of organizations as well so we mentioned earlier that there are many different like platforms and sites and things that we might not even realize could be kind of considered social media based on the interaction level. Um, so how do you each use like all those platforms you were mentioning previously that we've done, for example, Instagram lives and Facebook lives, um, but kind of wanted to dive in on how exactly you use these platforms on a professional level. Definitely like to start off, um, one of the biggest like things that I've been recently trying to implement on our Facebook is just even the simple setting of like pinning a post. Um, currently, I keep pinning our um, monthly support group calendar just so everyone always knows. And the one thing that I really like about that is like I get to see the growth of engagement as it's currently being there. I get to see more and more people are clicking on it and viewing it and trying to locate where when is their group is it virtual is it online is it a closed group what are the upcoming groups in the next few months or seasons things like that but beyond that i would say facebook is our main hub when it comes to just like raw information and we use more of our instagram platform as more like information to digest think about reminisce and absorb especially when it comes to myths or just stats or facts um when we're going to be open or closed stuff like that and um, I mean, the newest kid on the block, TikTok, Instagram Reels, I mean, that's where we see some of our highest numbers when it comes to just KPIs and just stats in general. And I mean, I think it goes to show in 2021, TikTok was the most used website on the internet. And I believe in the top 10, five of them were all social media. It was like TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. I mean, there's even other things that I feel like we haven't even mentioned that aren't as big, but are still social media to an extent just the way you interact, just live streaming as a whole is growing big, whether it's like YouTube live or Twitch. I mean, Amazon has live influencers that are always showing like what they just purchased, things like that. So I think that's even like, could be the, yeah, the next adventure maybe in like within the next decade or something along those lines. I mean, talked about even Facebook lives and how you can store the VODs of them and keep them, keep them alive. 
for people to view and constantly view because that is good information at the end of the day. Yeah, TikTok. I think that that's a that's a big one that we've been uh, kind of diving into and kind of jumping on these trends, like Shannon was mentioning earlier, trying to, you know, you never know if your thing goes viral, then people are like, oh, what is the VSC? Oh, what are the services? Oh, kind of going from there. Um, Shannon, do you have any info about like how TikTok can be used for education and awareness? Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my current organization is looking at launching it soon. I actually just ordered my tripod because I don't have one needed in my house, but um, I definitely contributed to TikTok being one of the most used platforms in the world because I'm on it all the time. The algorithm that they created is almost too good. But um, because of that, I think the ability to get in front of new audiences is so much better than other spaces. Um, and I can say like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, like the way that they run their feeds, it's really hard to get your content in front of people if you're not paying money, um, unless you like get lucky or, you know, post the just right time. There's definitely ways that you can increase that engagement, but it's not the same as TikTok. Um, and so TikTok, I see people using it. Like I think of the Duolingo uh, profile that's like so unhinged like it has nothing to do with what they do but now everyone knows a duolingo owl everyone knows what they do like if people do use duolingo they're probably like oh my gosh the mascot's going to be right behind me if i'm not doing it today um it's like notorious um i think about like the washington post i think jumped on really early and used it as a way to share news in like a sketchy way or in a really relatable way that I think about like the early days of YouTube where some of the earliest YouTubers were kind of doing kind of like the late night type of show and they were trying to bring news and make it more accessible. Um, so no matter what you do, whether you run a private business, you're a creator or you're a nonprofit trying to share your services, you can definitely utilize social media. Some people have it a little bit harder than others. Like I think talking about sexual violence is definitely difficult, especially with some of the community guidelines that are getting put into place. Um, but if you have like an animal shelter, like you literally can just walk down and be like, this is Gus, he's available for adoption today. And if it happens to see the right person, Gus can be adopted tomorrow. And so I think you can do the same thing, right? Where if you're talking about like, hey, we have these support groups coming on and you make it in a relatable way, you know, even if one or two people decide to join the support group from that video, I would count that as a success because they wouldn't have found it otherwise. And so you don't know until you try. So I think that even just putting it out there is so great. And I think you can bring comedy into a lot of these issues. I think people are nervous that if, you know, my cause is about saving marine life, I have to be super serious and super dedicated. But I think like we're all human at the end of the day. And I know that your organization is run by people so that if you put a content out and you're making jokes, even though you're talking about something serious, I think as long as you're being respectful that you can still reach the right people. Um, I'm not saying that everyone has to like have curse words or like do the, you know, controversial video. It doesn't have to be all that, but you can use like the SpongeBob audio, <laughs> even though you're talking about something else that you would never think to connect those two things. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to jump on these different um, and be creative with it, too. I know that we were sitting in meetings um, when we were still like together as a team, like, oh, man, how can we use this TikTok trend um, and relate it to what we do. Um, and there's, there's, there's so many all the time. So I think that, um, TikTok is, is a great tool. And I love that you brought up like how you could just spread awareness of like Gus the cat for someone to, uh, adopt and also just spreading awareness about our services, but also even, I know we've used our TikTok for like talking about consent and, um, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like, stuff like that, or red flags and, and a relationship. So there's so many different trends that you can kind of use and like creatively find out and piece together, um, you know, whatever message that you want to put out there. So, um, I think that there might be this myth <laughs> that social media is just for young people and only young people use it. So what would you say to someone who's like, oh, social media is just for the youth? <laughs> um, I think like I understand why 
that is sort of like this sort of myth and stuff like that. Maybe it's just because young people are more willing to just try something new. The trends are easy to hop on. Like I know when I got my Facebook, it was just because my friends got the Facebook. So maybe it's more like a status quo thing when you're in school in the beginning. But I don't think it's just for young people. I mean, even when I think about TikTok, I think of the younger generation. But then I also just think of early on, like there was that meteorologist or weatherman who would just dance on his TikTok while doing his newscast. And like they would implement that in the real news eventually. And that was just very innovative. People always know who this guy is. You see him and you're like, I've seen this guy before, stuff like that. So beyond that, I think it's like an easy way for to have like free advertisement at the end of the day for an organization too. There's so many podcasts that I just learn about because I see like a 60 second clip on TikTok or even just a content creator in general. So I don't think it's just for young people, but even if it was, should that matter? Like, why not target that audience if that's who you're trying to target at the end of the day? Whether you're accepted, rejected, that's how you take it at the end of the day, but there's always room for more people. Yeah, I think like, you know, on the back end, I can always see the demographics of who's seeing what content. Um, And it does tend to skew younger, but I think, they shouldn't be scared to get involved in it because you're going to miss out on so many opportunities to connect. I know when my parents got Facebook, they were like, I'm finding all these people I went to high school with and like reconnecting. And like, now I think my mom is like flying out to visit people because she was able to connect with them in a way that she couldn't before. Like your cell phone number will change. Your address will change. But your social media is going to pretty stay pretty green no matter where you are. Um, I think about like if someone's overseas, you know, you'll still be able to see what they're doing, what content they're putting up. Um, I was thinking about some of the TikToks that I was like, where have I seen some older people? There's this one, like, I don't, I think it's like a grandma and someone else on TikTok, but like they shoot each other with Nerf guns. And it's like the funniest thing I've ever seen because she just comes out and she's like brutal. Um, I think of also like, there's people doing like cooking and like, maybe they, they are not professional, but they just want to show off their recipes. And so, you know, in a way that makes them almost more engaging because there is different than the norm. Um, I'm a younger millennial. And so I've been using social media since like I could breathe, but (laughs) my brother is only a little bit younger than me. And he still kind of has this view too. He's like, are you Gen Z? Like, what are you doing? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this lingo that you're using. And I'm like, I don't know. I just absorb it by being online. So maybe it's a way of keeping yourself youthful is by connecting on social media. So if that's what's going to convince someone to join it. Sure. Um, but it's not just for young people, but I do still think that young, young people should be off of it like children. Yeah. And I also think it like gives insight sometimes and perspective. Like I just think about this one YouTuber content creator where it's a guy who I assume is like of my age in his younger mid twenties. And he just has his dad there and they're in a nice setup and they, he literally just plays him albums and is like, he has his dad listen to music that he listens to and maybe it's even newer or older usually leans more towards hip-hop but he'll talk about like what he likes about it and then he'll have his dad give his perspective on things like that and it's also just like interesting to always hear different sides different views um this this older gentleman has obviously gone through way more years of just music just naturally and so it's it's cool to hear perspective so at the end of the day like having another voice and another viewpoint, another idea is always, can can always be accepted. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think we were talking a little bit about like the bubble that social media can kind of host these different bubbles or echo chambers or what have you. But I think that um, there are a lot more voices out there than people may realize. And that includes different age groups. And so um, you'd be surprised what, what, you know, the people that are on there. Um, I also wanted to ask if, like, what would you say to an organization who's kind of hesitant to use social media? Like, maybe they're afraid to, like, dive into that. Uh, You just got to dive in. But you do have to do it mindfully. You do have to have a plan. Um, If you're running a business, a nonprofit, it's a little bit different than you your normal social media, right? Like if you're just using Facebook to talk and share your opinions, that's going to be way different than trying to run a Facebook for an organization um, in terms of the planning and how you're going to write about things, right? So I think about, 
obviously the language that we use is incredibly important. And so we definitely had to plan around that and plan around here's our fundraising campaign. Here's this. Um, but it's useful once you get it down pat. And once you kind of have that structure built, then it's a little bit easier. Right. So you can say like, Oh, Hey, person who works in grants, like you want me to talk about this? Cool. I can go ahead and do that for you. So you have it kind of set up. Um, and then build it, people will come hopefully, but usually you'll already have some things set up. Like most places will have like a mass email communication tool. So you can use that to promote your social media, or you have your one year fundraiser where people can come out. Or if you're more of a drop-in destination, you know, you can share that you're creating it and people will join it and it'll kind of build its own from there. Um, so I think that if a nonprofit is hesitant to use it, I would question their why. Is it because they're scared? Is it because they don't have the capacity? Is it because they don't know what to say? If you're writing communication like donation letters and speeches and things like that, you just kind of change that language to work, right? So it's not all that different than what people have done. It's just on a different platform. Would you agree, Kyle? Yeah, definitely. I think you just got to start off by taking that first step at the end of the day and just get into it. Um, it's always, you can always look at like what other people have done and you don't necessarily need to mimic it, but can, it can kind of show you a flow, especially if you see something you like, it might just be because it's good content or you like that body of work. It might just be good. And you can just understand why did you like that? What really appealed to you? What, what do you see as working and what do you see as not working at the end of the day? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that, what are some tips that you have for a nonprofit um, organization to use social media? I think you just need to be dedicated or have a dedicated group of people at the end of the day, people who are willing, people who are staying up to date, people who can be passionate and want to start talking about some of these things and want to have that voice. Um, I think that's just the initial thing is if you're going to do it, be invested in it and want to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there has to be a willingness if you're really reluctant and you're kind of like grumbling about it. I think that's going to come out in your content. Um, you do have to prepare, as I mentioned before, have that plan in place, something, any plan really. Um, and ideally you need to have a dedicated person to it. I think there's this idea, especially from those who don't use social media or people that are unfamiliar with it, that is just write it, slap it up there. That's it. Right. So it is a lot more involved in that. You do have to be careful about what you're saying and how you're saying it because you're representing your agency. You're representing the issue. Right. So if I write something, you know, offhand and just put it out there and then someone is offended or they take it the wrong way, um, it's going to hurt my organization, right? So it's not just you can slap it up there. You have to be mindful. And then also only content that is looks good, is engaging, is going to get shared around. So if you don't put a lot of thought into it and you just type up two sentences with no entertaining graphic or video or anything else with it and just throw it up on Twitter and expect to be viral the next day, like that's not going to happen. Um, so ideally you're going to want to have someone at least part-time to run some of your social media, especially as you get more, right? So it's not just everyone has a Facebook, you have a Facebook, you have a LinkedIn, you have a Twitter, you have a YouTube, you have a maybe a Snapchat, Reddit, Twitch, like there's so many different things that you can get on. And the more you add, the more it's going to add to your workload. But I think, um, you know, some of my other tips would be that you can loop in partner organizations, right? So let's say that you are just starting out and there's an organization that you have a really good relationship with that has a good following. Ask them, ask to talk to their people. Um, usually in my experience, nonprofits are super down to help each other because we're all kind of in this together trying to make the place better for everyone, usually, hopefully. Um, and so they want you to be successful just as much as you do. So if they are doing something great, you know, maybe you can loop it in or you can then return the favor later. I know at BSC, we would always try to bring in um, organizations that were doing different work from ours so that people that might need those services as well could find them. Um, I think that if you're creating content, you got to make sure that you're putting thought into when you put it out. So if you're doing something about stocking, well, maybe you want to do it in January because it's stocking awareness month. Or if you're doing something with the LGBTQ community, can you do something during pride month to engage that audience when it's timely? Um, it's just like 
almost like actual news in a way. It has to be quick. You have to be on it. I know you were talking about TikTok earlier. The trends on there shift so quickly. Like if you play an audio from like four months ago, I'll feel like that was ages ago because it ages so quickly in the digital space. So you have to be able to respond in real time, which is also why I think you need a dedicated person so that they can focus in on the trends and how it's going to incorporate in your organization and how you can kind of utilize that. Um, with all of these different platforms, they're all used a little bit differently. So if you're trying to post the same thing on LinkedIn to Twitter, to Facebook, to Instagram, they're all a little bit different with different age demographics. Like LinkedIn is professional. So if you post something silly goofy on there, like it's going to be kind of out of place. Twitter has such a low character count. Like if you're trying to post a huge long, like personal testimony from a client, you really can't put that on there very easily. So those are the kind of things that people will need to think about. They're not that complicated, but you do have to have something for that. I know I also mentioned that like your views are getting down, 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 down a lot of the time. And at the end of the day, these are businesses and they're looking to make money. And so if you are trying to share about a fundraising event or something like that, you do have to invest some advertising money into it, just as people would in like a print ad, a billboard, things like that. This is a form of advertising. And so if you have a marketing department or a marketing budget, you need to allocate some of those funds in order to get the audience that you want. Um, you know, not everyone's going to go viral. Not every post is going to go viral, especially sometimes the most important ones. Right. So if you're trying to say like, Hey, we really need you to come out and show your support. We need to raise $10,000 that might reach a hundred people. But then if you put in a hundred dollars worth of money, you know, you might reach 10,000 people. And then that's only going to increase your likelihood of getting donations. So I think those are some of the important things I think about. Yeah, I appreciate that, Shannon. I really appreciate you kind of breaking down that myth of this idea that it is kind of like this mindless thing that you just post on. And it's like, no, there's this, um, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. You know, we meet once a week to plan out like what are the awareness events going on? How do we want to do this? Maybe we want to do a social media campaign about specifically, I know that Kyle, you had that idea of um back to school kind of um, guide to keep each other safe, you know, as we go through the next phase of um, the next semester. Um, so I appreciate you kind of highlighting that it is a tool and there is a smart way to use it and dedicating time and money to it is makes sense and can really help. I think a lot of it's trial and error too. Um, so Shannon, were those kind of all those things that you learned over time? Um, was there anything that you kind of like worked and then didn't work and you shifted? That's a great question. Yeah. So my background is not actually in communications. Uh, unlike Kyle, like his is, uh, I have a background in political science. And so I've worked at just a lot of different nonprofits and can, like connecting with people has always been something that has been close to me as well as trying to raise awareness about issues because I think, um, you know, if you don't know about it, you can't help. So I think, you know, when people are getting involved, they're going to want to um, try to put some toes in the water and then obviously adjust, right? So like, you're not going to get it right 100% of the time. Not everything is going to be amazing. I mean, I'm not going to say that you're going to go out and offend somebody. Hopefully that you're putting enough thought into it that you won't have that issue. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Is like to make sure we're not going to get that pushback. Um, I don't know. I always think about the sexual assault awareness month challenge that we would do with the NSVRC and they had challenges like every day and they would have a winner and I'm incredibly competitive. So I was like, I really want to win and I want to be the best. And so, you know, you could go through the tags and see what other people were posting. Um, and you could also see what they were posting on that day who won the challenge. And so you might notice some like trends or like, like what would work better than others. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to jump on this, or I can tell that they like a really well-posed photo, not just like a graphic, right? Like a real photo. So I was like, let me do this. And then like, I actually won the challenge that day. And I was like, yes, this is the best feeling ever. I love this. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, noticing if your audience likes videos more than photos, if your audience likes feel good stories, right? There's, um, I don't know if it's like a saying or what to call it, but it's like your content is 
are you going to make people angry? Are you going to make them happy? Or are you going to make them feel like, oh, um, so like you could put out content that's like, this is a stat, this is unacceptable. We need to do something, right? So you're stirring it up or you can do like, hey, here's a, you know, Stacy. Stacy was experiencing X, Y, Z, and then she got services A, B, C, and now she's super happy. And this is a picture of her and her cute dog, right? That is like the all moment. If that takes off, that means that's what your audience might like. So you might want to introduce that. Or if the engagement piece takes off and people are like, yes, we want to get on the ground and take action, um, then that might be the way you want to go. So I think just actually taking a step back and looking at your content objectively, like even though I personally might have liked this post that I made because I made it and I put a lot of thought into it, that doesn't mean that that's what works the best. You actually really need to look at their results and um, kind of carve your way from that. Such a good point. I think at the VSC, a lot of our engagement comes from, you know, staff spotlights um, or uh, kind of feel good stuff like you were mentioning. That doesn't mean that we don't share the other stuff too. And, and like, for example, a lot of our TikToks that got a lot of engagement was when it was kind of pointing out red flags or talking about sexual harassment and people be like, yes, this is such an important issue. So it seems like TikTok feels like that, but then maybe on our Facebook, a lot of the people that are on there might be past clients or someone who's like, oh yeah, I'm so glad VSC is getting recognition and opening up this, you know, new location. That's awesome. And, and things like that. So that's such a really good point. And I know you also brought up to kind of connecting with other agencies. And I know Kyle, you work a little bit with the department of health. Do you work with them and, and their social media? Um, not necessarily directly with like a social media team, but I definitely go back and forth with their PIO and see like what they are wanting to talk about, what they hope to achieve and like what sort of topics and demographics they're looking to hit. And that's just something we're always discussing and always like trying to change. Like um, we have this PSA coming out and they want to do a social media campaign relating to the topics of the um, PSA, which is about just domestic violence in general, but they want to talk about some of the myths and facts when it comes to domestic violence and sort of like an LGBTQ relationship and sort of how uninformed people can be and the misrepresentation that can happen, even like common things such as law enforcement can't fully handle these things properly at times or just aren't informed enough at the end of the day to understand what situations are happening. So. I think that's such a great example of how, you know, what our mission is, which is like helping survivors of trauma. And then when other organizations kind of see that, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that's such an important piece. And then they bring into like, and we're noticing this, and then it just kind of becomes this uh, kind of movement. So I think that that's such a good example. Um, as a final kind of question, specifically to VSC, do either of you have any like tips for survivors who might be triggered kind of on social media with all of this content that's out there? Or maybe what are some things that organizations should keep in mind um, when posting content um, for uh, their audience when it comes to perhaps acknowledging that survivors will probably be looking at this? For me, I think one of the biggest thing is just understanding not only your target audience, but who your audience is in general. So your audience doesn't always and won't always be who you're trying to target at the end of the days. So just being open, understanding, I think that's one thing I'm always trying to remember my like for myself is what is the overall goal at the end of the day, not just with this singular post or this single thing I'm trying to release onto social media. What are we trying to achieve overall? Or like, what is the mission? What is the value of this post? Um, and then, I mean, there's even small things that even we try to implement at VSC at times, like even just putting a trigger warning before going into detail about what the post is and just like what, what you might find in this post or the topics we might talk about, just things like that. Yeah, I'll say, you know, there's kind of two parts to this question, like how, what would I say to a survivor or someone that might be triggered by content? And then like as a content creator, how might I proactively try to prevent these things? I think in terms of tips for people who might be triggered by any content on social media, I think the first step is knowing yourself. Um, you know, if you 
aren't aware of how this is making you feel, then you're not going to be able to address it. So I think doing um, any kind of self-work, mindfulness, or if you are working with a mental health professional, um, seeing if you can kind of write down like what it is, right? So if you are triggered by people talking about, you know, their body, or if it's, you know, you have experience with certain types of violence and you would like to limit that kind of content, um, making sure that you're not following people that are going to talk about some of these things is obviously very important. Um, but then also just setting boundaries for yourself. Um, so that if you do find yourself getting overwhelmed or you're not in the right headspace for the moment of social media, like if you're already very upset, it's probably not the best idea to go scrolling through, you know, a controversial Reddit thread or something like that. So, you know, if you have those limitations or know about them, sticking to them for your own mental health. Um, if you do need to put the phone down or take a step away from social media, that's totally okay. Um, and then leaning into some of your support systems. So I know like when something upsets me, I like to like vent is how I like to deal with a lot of problems. So I know I'll usually like share it with my friend and be like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe they did this. And then like, we'll just talk it through together. And that always just makes me feel better. So I know that that's something that works for me. So find what works for you, whether it's blocking that person, hiding that content, reaching out for support um, or reaching out to a mental health professional or an amazing helpline or text line. There's so many different avenues that you can go. Um, for organizations, I think just knowing your audience, like Kyle mentioned, is incredibly important. At VSC, I was always really aware that just knowing the statistics, most of our content would probably be viewed by someone who is a survivor of violence or abuse um, or sexual assault, whatever the case might be. Um, and so being very respectful, uh, not going into too much detail, like if I'm sharing someone's story, there's no need for you to know exactly what went down where exactly, but how that survivor felt was more important. Um, and then always connecting them to resources was something I tried to do. So if I'm saying like, hey, it's Human Trafficking Awareness Month, here's why it's really bad. Um, connecting them to an organization that does human trafficking work so that if they do have experience with it, they can get help. Um, or if you are writing about something that's challenging, acknowledging at the beginning was really important, kind of like a trigger warning, like Kyle said. Um, for my current organization, um, we deal with issues of homelessness and affordable housing and healthcare. So a lot of our audience isn't necessarily receiving care, but there are people who care about these issues as it is something that affects most people in the area. Um, and so we try to share information to help break down stigmas, connect people to some services, but also just like share general updates. So I know we have like a once weekly homelessness in the news that goes out. And so we're sharing like all the things that are happening um, with our work around the Colorado area for people to kind of understand on and understand the issues a little bit better because we think that might be the right thing. Um, and then, you know, we always take into account the different spaces like we really are growing. So we want to attract more people for careers. And so we think about that. Um, we don't necessarily have to worry about people necessarily getting triggered, but we do keep in mind being respectful of people at all times, using the right language, um, and then filtering out any content that could be harmful in our comment section, or if people are throwing hate at us, uh, making sure that they understand, um, you know, why we're taking the stance that we are. Um, but that's just how I feel about it. Like I know when I'm posting on Twitter, I'm like, okay, here's what I think is important. Um, and, or I see like whatever is going on and try to talk about it that way. Um, with VSC, I think I was a lot more dialed into specifically like survivors of trauma um, because there is so much going on with that. And it can be such a hard, lonely experience that I really wanted them to feel connected. I love that. And I think that kind of leads to uh, really, um really flows well nicely into my final questions here, which is, you know, what do you love about the work that you do? What do you love about using social media and all that stuff? For me, just social media at the end of the day is something that's always like fascinating to me. It's interesting. I see the growth that just constantly happens and how accelerating it is, just how much more connected people are getting, how much more knowledge and information just in general is out there. And I think that's something that's very interesting to me when I always think about social media and just the growth of social media and just how each platform is so different, but at the end of the day, kind of the same as its core. It's just a communication method and a tool. I mean, there's so many things that I've discovered or learned or people I've reconnected with and just topics I now understand more at a deeper level just because I probably first saw it on social media. Um, so that's just something in a nutshell that's like the most interesting thing to me. 
in a more in on the topic of like why do I enjoy what I'm doing right now um Orlando specifically is the community I've grown up in um I feel intertwined with the community at times and that's being able to give back and just support the people within this community that I don't even know but it's something that's just special to me and that's just what I enjoy doing and I honestly feel like to an extent that's just what I like doing with my life in general is being able to see and maybe not even see but understand that I'm making a difference or trying to make a difference at the end of the day yeah very similar um you know for social media itself I grew up on MySpace and you know the awesome backgrounds that I would try to learn coding to do and it definitely sucked me in as a kid but it helped me connect with people when I felt lonely or, you know, during the summertime when you're not with any of your friends. And it was just such a different experience because like I didn't have a cell phone, but I had a MySpace Um, and it definitely um, drew me in. And then, you know, we saw Facebook come up. Um, You know, I did. I was reluctant for Twitter for a long time. Now it's like one of my favorite things to use. But there's so many different platforms out there that, you know, you kind of find what you like and use it. Um, like you find that I need to set boundaries for myself sometimes, but, uh, just in my personal life, I love using it. And then I know I'll find myself like scrolling and be like, this is really great for what I'm doing right now. I need to save this. I need to flag this. I need to (laughs) email it to myself to share on my work, social media later. Um, and that's how I know that I love what I do is because even though I try really hard to set work-life boundaries and have, um, some separation there, I find myself whenever I'm like scrolling through TikTok being like, Oh my gosh, I have a great idea. I need to write this down or something like that because I do care about what I do. I've always had a passion for, um, connecting with people as well as like helping. Uh, I've worked in private businesses before and I just am not compelled by profits or some random product. I really just want to help people. Um, And I think being able to post about different issues and connect to people is a great way to do that. Uh, I've never done any kind of direct service and I know that's always something at VSC and the organization I'm in now is, you know, the people who are on the front lines actually providing the service. And then there's the people sharing about those services. And it really helps kind of bridge that divide is that even though I'm not out there giving care to these clients, um, I'm still able to hear about the awesome story that my coworkers are doing and kind of share that out, make them feel special. Um, let the community know where their dollars are going. Cause a lot of people do give. And so I think it helps them feel like they're engaged to the mission as well. Um, you know, if someone is posting that they're dropping off donations, I love being able to share their posts and be like, thank you so much. And like actually show that appreciation in real time. Um, so they can kind of highlight that. I know at another nonprofit we, I worked at, we had a lot of volunteers come up and we would post their pictures every day to be like, thank you for volunteering. We really appreciate what you're doing. You know, whether it was a sorority or a church or whatever was going on. Um, and then they would do the same. And that's kind of just going back to like sharing content, getting people engaged on different levels, you know, it might attract other volunteers there, but I just love being able to spread awareness and hopefully connect people to, you know, services that they need. So if like, someone's scrolling on Instagram and they see a post with a helpline number that they didn't know before and they really needed in that moment and they called it amazing feeling. So true. I love that. Um, and kind of as a final summarizing thought, um, how is this a powerful tool for just normalizing conversations and spreading awareness of important violence prevention topics? Overall, I just think social media and like touching on these topics are just important because even today, things can still be so taboo to talk about, even though they're, they happen every day, they happen to our communities, they happen to people we know can be affected by various topics. And sometimes it's just very like hush hush, like don't talk about it. Like if we if we don't talk about it, it it's not real, like we can just ignore it. It's a, I feel is like the biggest thing at the end of the day. So just normalizing these conversations and even if they're not progressive in the moment or trying to obtain what you needed in that moment, it still leaves a path and a trail for someone else to pick up on later at the end of the day, which is just ultimately I feel like what should be happening and what needs to happen is just not to falter at the end of the day. If, if, you, if you leave it off, someone else might pick it up from there. So just continuing to have these talks, touch on these topics, touch on your resources and keeping those abundant at the end of the day are just very important. 
Yeah. And I, I'm thinking of also kind of Shannon, you mentioning how, you know, not feeling alone. And at the end, um, it is all about kind of like this connection. And even though maybe you're not getting as much engagement on this post, maybe like a like or something, it doesn't mean it's not being seen. It could be that someone saw that helpline number and they really needed it. So it could be almost like this maybe indirect impact, but there, it's still there. The impact can still be there. For sure. Um, I know like with the normalization and the destigmatization, you know, there might be stigma attached if I like this post or if I like your page, right? So if I like a page about sexual violence, are people going to think that this has happened to me or know that this has happened to me, right? So those might be some of the things going through their head. And so we always definitely take that into account. But by being there and being public and making it okay for people to talk about your posts, I think you are helping to create that conversation. I know in the work I'm doing currently, um, we follow some people on Twitter that are always going out and sharing um, stories about people experiencing homelessness right now, whether sheltered or unsheltered. And so it really humanizes it. Um, I think a lot of what nonprofits have to do with, you know, the more controversial or heated um, topics is to debunk myths because those are like some of the biggest things harming the work that we're trying to progress is just this myth that lives in the back of someone's mind. And so if you can just help to break that down a little bit or make them wonder or question, you know, it's definitely something powerful. I know I learn so many new things online. I think it's an amazing source of information. And so I might read a post about, you know, uh, artists or something like that and learn something new. And that might take me to something else. Um, I do now follow a ton of nonprofits and education people just because of the work that I've been in. And I think it does help normalize it in my head and I'll share it with my friends. And there's definitely people on my own timelines that probably don't believe that or have different views, but, you know, they might view it and say like, oh, this is actually something that I care about, or I do actually want to give to this cause as well. Um, and I think it can also be really good for, um, we didn't really talk about this, but this just made me think about it, like acts of violence in a community, you know, both in Orlando, we had Pulse and, you know, here in Colorado, we've had uh, different acts of violence. And I think it's a time where people are scared and they look for help and it can be a time and a place to help find that comfort. So, you know, you can share that you're not alone message and saying like, hey, we know this just happened. Here's resources for you. Here's where you can go. Here's how you can find help. Um, and it helps make it a little bit easier for people to access that help because there is, I think, in America, a really big stigma placed on receiving help. Um, and so being able to find it more easily, uh, I think, helps you just feel a little bit more pride in your community, um, like Kyle was mentioning. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a wonderful place to kind of sign off. Um, but before I do, is there anything else that you want to bring up that I'm, you know, we may not have mentioned? Uh, I will just say that, like, you know, if people want to get involved in social media, get involved in social media in any way that you can. Um, if you or trying to push for your organization to get it, make sure to keep advocating. If you're a part of an organization that doesn't have it, go ahead and dip your toes in there, see what you can find out. And as I mentioned, nonprofits are usually really friendly. So if you do have questions, feel free to reach out to everyone and ask them questions. Um, and then if you do ever see anyone um, sharing anything hurtful on social media, go ahead and kind of take care of yourself. Or if kind of like active bystander. Uh, if you find it best to directly tell them that, go ahead and um, share how you're feeling, whether it's actually, I love what you're doing. This is amazing. Cheer them on. Uh, or if you're like, hey, I actually think we need to rethink this a little bit. I disagree. Um, don't be afraid to kind of share your opinions on that. Love it. Yeah. I think that I, I just want to thank you both so much. I think this was such an important conversation to have kind of uplifting this tool that we all have. And as we kind of move forward and things change all the time too. So there's probably going to be a new social media platform soon. So we'll be able to use that as well. So I just want to thank you both so much. Um, and actually the next episode will actually be the 100th episode of this podcast. So we're actually going to talk a little bit about um, BSC history and stuff. So if you're interested in learning more about, you know, how we went from you know, a small nonprofit to a nonprofit using social media, <laughs> you can definitely tune in. Um, but I just want to thank also the listener for listening to the Victim Service Center podcast of the VSC is a nonprofit organization. 
that provides free confidential counseling services for victims of any kind of trauma in Central Florida. To learn more about our services, please visit victimservicecenter.org. And to everyone listening, healing is not linear and you are not alone. And thank you so, so much again, Kyle and Shannon for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.